This episode is brought to you by Greg Morris Cards, one of the largest sports card sellers on the planet. Greg sells over 80,000 vintage and modern cards every month, including basketball, football, baseball, hockey, all sports really, and even some non-sports cards too. On top of that, every raw card receives the same hand grading that collectors have put their trust in for over 15 years. What are you waiting for? Head on over to gregmorriscards.com auctions and check it out for yourself. What's up, everyone? This is episode 204 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle, and as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Unless you're going to send me a bunch of voice messages in my DMs. I seem to be getting more and more of those lately. People driving or doing whatever. Um, Seriously, stop. But uh, I do love having real conversations with you guys, though, and, and even written messages, so keep those coming. But speaking of conversations, I've got a fun one to share with you today with a collector named Anne Marie, who you might know from Instagram as at Women on Tops. Her and I talked about WNBA cards, sports marketing, custom cards, and so much more. So you will want to make sure definitely to stay tuned for that one. But first, let's do a mail segment. I've got a couple fun packages from this past week that I want to talk about real quick. The first of which was an SGC submission. Remember that goal I talked about with Carter, right? So I'm trying to get a jump on that. And I don't do a lot of grading. And my last experience with SGC wasn't great. But that was also back in 2020 or 2021 when things were kind of chaotic. So, you know, I want to give them another chance. It makes sense for my PC at this time too. And I will say this submission was the complete opposite experience that I had back then. So I submitted 10 cards in person at the Palm Beach show on Saturday. And the following Friday, they were already at my front door. So for those counting at home, that's graded and delivered in less than a week. Now, as for the contents inside, I sent nine 1957 Topps cards and then also a 2003 Topps LeBron rookie that I found in a lot. And I'm very happy with the results. I won't spoil them here. But uh, if you want to see that, feel free to head over to my YouTube channel, and I've got that reveal up there for you. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy that. Now, the second package I want to talk about today, which I also showed on my YouTube channel, but that contained a 2017-2018 Panini Revolution Revolutionaries Galactic Parallel of Reggie Miller in a PSA 10 slab, which surprisingly is a Pop 7. And I think the math shows us that there's roughly 15 copies per player. So nearly half of those 15 copies are PSA 10s now, which is kind of strange. But either way, I got one. And much like the Danny Granger PSA 10 I talked about on a recent episode, I was really just looking to acquire this card in any grade. The main reason being because it pictures Reggie from an Orlando game I attended in February of 2005. And otherwise, I probably wouldn't have pursued this card. I mean... It's from 2017. If I haven't gone for it by now, then you know it's likely that I wouldn't have, but tastes change and, and projects change. 
Uh, so anyway, I ended up pursuing this because I saw the picture was from that game. And um, even though I own a handful of Galactics, I don't aggressively pursue them. So like I said, not something I would go after. And then the same goes for Panini era Reggie stuff, unless it's a jumbo patch. Now that I have this one in hand, though, I compared it to my Victor Oladipo Galactic from the same year. Uh, it looks really nice. I want to say, you know, maybe it's the fact that it's the Revolutionary's insert and not just the, you know, the base Galactic. Um, but the pattern looks a lot better on this Revolutionary's insert, in my opinion. So I'm really happy to have acquired this one. And uh, another thing about this one, it was a copy that I previously had a chance to acquire, but I had turned it down. And my main reason was I didn't want to pay any sort of PSA 10 premium. Now, the same seller then reached out to me a month or so later and offered it to me for a price I couldn't refuse. And it, it was another Pacers collector, so I think he was doing me a bit of a favor. I don't know if he wants to be identified, but if you're listening, thanks again. And um, I have been wanting to show this off on my Instagram for a while now, but I always try to pair my posts with my mail day segments if possible. I know I, I don't always get the timing perfect, but um, I got impatient. I went ahead and I posted it on Twitter and Reddit in the meantime, but now I can finally post it on Instagram as well. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. All right, before I move into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to remind you how you can support this show. As you guys know, there are costs that go into producing a podcast. One of my goals is to always keep the show itself free. As a result, I've signed up for affiliate programs with eBay and Fanatics. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.waxmuseumpodcast.com, click whatever store you need to go to, shop as planned, and the show gets a small commission in the process. Once again, that's www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. Hey everybody, Boston Steve here, the Northeast correspondent, checking in from the city of a winning basketball team, and you are listening to the Wax Museum Podcast. Okay, so joining me today is a collector I'm very excited to talk to. Well, I, I say that we've actually already talked for 40 minutes, uh, probably about 40 different things, and uh, I enjoyed every bit of that. So before that, though, we've had some interesting discussions on Instagram and where she posts under the handle at Women on Tops. And you might have seen her account already where she posts a lot of cool, purposeful custom cards, among other things. And we'll get into that more later. She's also a sports marketing professor. So that's another uh, angle I'm excited to explore, one that I haven't had a lot of access to. And I guess I should stop there for now. I don't want to spoil too much here in the intro. Anne-Marie, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Love to uh, chat about cardboard and sports, nerding out with fellow nerds. So this is always fun. And I know um, I, I sent you a list of topics and you're, you're literally, you're like, whatever, like, I just want to geek out about cards. And that's, that's kind of what I do here. So uh, I think that's going to work well today. But uh, before we get too far into the geeking out and all that fun stuff here, one thing I typically do with every guest is I have them share their collecting history. And I feel like it's a good way to provide meaningful context for the discussion that follows. So why don't we go ahead and start there? What has your collecting journey looked like so far? So I uh, I was born in 78 during the Yankees uh, Dodgers World Series. 
And so much of my family's history is with the New York Yankees. My great-grandfather was their first publicist and traveling secretary. A number of my uncles and, and folks were sport reporters. My grandfather was a newspaper reporter. So sports were always really big in my household. And I loved collecting baseball cards and basketball cards. Uh, I would grew up a Lakers fan because my best friend was from California and she was a Lakers fan. So I was a Lakers fan and I just loved collecting cards. I collected cards, you know, on and off my whole adult life. You know, we take pauses. We have to do things like pay for college. So I had to sell a lot of my collection off, uh, including a couple of those uh, Jordan rookies, which, Ooh. you know. College was a good deal, though. I like to say, you know, <laughs> sport cards have a high can have a high return on investment, but none as much as a college degree. So that worked out well for me. And I remember, you know, 1992, I was like 13 at the time. I subscribed to SI for kids and I love getting women's sport cards there. I remember I still have the Mia Ham that uh, I pulled out of the magazine, which uh, I didn't care as much about corners at the time. But I very much remember I loved SI for kids because they had female sport cards and that was just mm -hmm. the coolest thing ever. And that was sort of my window as a kid when I started collecting less baseball and less basketball. I always kept my eye out for any female cards. You know, that became kind of my most interesting hunt today. You know, I would say I mainly only collect female sport cards. Um, and when you collect a gender, there's a lot. You know, I'll, I'll go to shows and, you know, I'll talk to people and they say, whoa, there's women's sport cards. And I was like, yeah, we got, you know, we can own land and we have credit cards. And, <laughs> right. You know, women have had we cards. Vote, you know, I, right. I All those fun things. It's well, in some places, frankly, I know you're in Florida, so it, it's right. touch and go there sometimes. As long as different your husband, rules here. Yeah. Different as long rules. as your husband gives you permission. I think that's uh, that's how that works. But, um, you know, I have cards from the, you know, late 1800s to, you know, cards that are just coming out of Parkside at Canini today. So. Um, when you collect agenda, there's just lots and lots of cards. And, um, you know, I, I mostly right now, I would say collect legends. Like I have my favorite athletes and I have teams that I, I follow, but I'm really interested in the stories that are told and the history that is told through sport cards. So I'm definitely, uh, I, I collect legends. I would say I collect legends throughout generations and throughout sports. Now, um, you mentioned the sports illustrated for kids and, and that was exciting for you because there were women's cards in there. Yeah. Um, did you find that I'm, I'm assuming that, and I know it's dangerous to assume I'm assuming that most of the women's cards though, throughout history up to a certain point were just featured in, you know, multi-sport sets. And there weren't a lot of actual dedicated sets. Is, is I, that accurate? Well, I think it depends. Like, again, we're talking throughout history, right? So mm -hmm. women's athletes were used in cabinet cards and advertising and tobacco cards, I mean, if you look in vintage sport cards, probably, you know, the the athlete that has appeared the most in terms of cards pre-Title IX would be Sonia Henne, okay. um, figure skater. So Olympic athletes featured in cards. A lot of cards of women's sport cards historically has been in Europe. So lots of cards for track and Olympics and others. I think in America, when we look at team sports, they've predominantly been in like basketball sets soccer sets some being with whether, whether it be usa soccer and women's sets that have been made by upper deck um basketball obviously there's been you know a number of WNBA sets which we'll talk about hockey has a significant amount of you know canadian women's cards golf it's part of men's sets but pretty large insert sets you know women are throughout uh, the last, you know, 15, 20 years of NASCAR. So it's really spread out between Olympic sets and some collegiate insert sets. 
So you mentioned the WNBA there and um, you know, I've, I've run through the history of WNBA cards with another collector before uh, Kyle also named Kyle clips to balls and uh, that, but that was probably a couple years ago. So yeah. uh, could you give us a quick rundown of the main women's basketball releases over the years? And and I know, you know, we could go way back to the Edmonton grads and the chocolate cards, but right. um, you know, we probably don't have the same marketing data for that. So I guess let's focus on the, the WNBA, which would sure. be the last you know, 25, 27, however many years we're at now, right. that time frame. Right. So generally, if you look at, you know, the first WNBA cards came out in 1997. Um, right before then, there was a league, the ABL, um, which was more sort of like player oriented. They had cards 1996, 1997 through Skybox Reebok. Hmm. Then 1997, before then, there was the WBA, which was they played 93 to 95. But at the same time, you have WNBA Right before then, you have the USA basketball set, right? So you'll have these arguments about, you know, what should be, you know, Lisa Leslie's rookie card. You know, we always argue about these silly things. But 1997, we have the WNBA start where we have Inside Pinnacle is the first set. So we got 1997, 1998, we have Pinnacle. And those, I'm sorry to interrupt you here. Those all, those came in cans, right? Was that all cans? In 1997, it's miserable. Yeah, they came in cans. And cans, shockingly, aren't always great with the integrity of corners and things like that. And and not even a pull tab. Like I, the last, I found some at a flea market. I literally had to go get a can opener opener. out of the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, they're not kidding. Yes. Can opener. And then there was like a cello pack inside with them. And you know, the 1997 set, the most important set I would say within that is the executive collection. Cause there was the base, there was the court collection and the executive collection. And the executive collection was like, like almost one to a case, like one to 40 mm-hmm. cans, right? But yeah, you needed a can opener. Like they're ser- like, we're talking like Campbell's soup cans, right? Yeah. But condition will be important there. 1998, they revolutionized and put it in packs in boxes, like uh, the 1998. And that set kind of gets forgotten about, but there is a really cool parallel there, the arena collection, which is prism before prism. Right. The Alina collection cards are like the precursor to like cracked ice. Right. Mm -hmm. 1999. Let's see. We have clear ultra, which is important because I would say 1999 is the most important rookie class in WNBA history in terms of big classes and important classes and legends that came out of that class. So we have 1999 Skybox and we have Fleer Ultra, which was like considered more of the premium. And, and then 2000, 2001, 2002, we have like Fleer Ultra. In there, we'll have Fleer Tradition, another set that will be um, a little bit more limited, right? And some of these cards we've done redemptions, like um, the important one, 2002, which is important because it's Sue Bird's rookie year. Mm-hmm. You've got Fleer Ultra being a redemption card in that. And then you have the tradition card, which is a numbered card, mm-hmm. right? Which has which has a rookie. And then you have Rittenhouse comes onto the scene with the WNBA uh license. And Rittenhouse has a different sort of philosophy. You have to realize that like the print runs on WNBA cards are minuscule comparatively. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have like the 2011 Maya Moore uh, who just retired. Right. Mm-hmm. There's or or, or, or or Brianna Stewart, let's say mm-hmm. there's a, what, 165, maybe was it of each auto in her rookie season? Three different mm-hmm. autos. Right. Just minuscule, minuscule amounts. Well, um, and, and toward and I don't know if they did this at the start, but 
toward the end, they even numbered the base cards. Is that correct? Yes. Like there were only like 400 of something printed one year. Cause I was looking at uh, the later written house, like Kelsey Plum. And I think, you know, some of those players, like very, very few cards out there for just the base set. Yeah. I mean, the print runs were incredibly, incredibly small. I think about, you know, the Maya Moore card, right? So the Maya Moore 2011, what I was saying, right? There are 225 Maya Moore rookie cards. Jeez. Oh, it's not like there's 225 base. I mean, there was one card, right? R1. Can you imagine if there were 225 Michael Jordan rookie cards and that's it? Right. Right. It's just incredible I, to think about. The the PSA 10 population is even for Jordans is higher than the total Maya Moore rookie card population total. Oh, ungraded. It it's even I mean, there are more Luca rookies graded than WNBA graded cards in total. Mm. Completely different. Right. So Rittenhouse comes onto the scene and they have a different model, which is well, Fleer and Skybox and Pinnacle were all about, you know, production. Right. Mm -hmm. They are the ones that brought the really limited sets, right? Mm -hmm. So that there'll only be, so Rittenhouse started going for exclusivity, which was actually probably a smarter business model saying we're only going to produce 225 total sets of this. Mm -hmm. And that's it. So during the Rittenhouse years, up until, you know, 2018, where things got a little bit bigger, right? The 2018 mm -hmm. Rittenhouse is the last Rittenhouse set. It's important because you have, uh, you know, that's Aja Wilson's rookie year, right? Off the top of my head, I don't know the production year on that, but it's more than prior Rittenhouse cards, mm -hmm. right? Um, I didn't stand Rittenhouse at the time because this is when I'm in grad school and it just got a lot more expensive, Okay. right? And for me, at least, I would say the biggest barriers in women's sports is anonymity, mm -hmm. right? So for me, who's like a huge, you know, big basketball fan, I want more people to be brought into the hobby. I want more people to be a fan of WNBA. Limiting the amount of cards that people can have in their hands was counterproductive to what I was really rooting for. Well, also, like you said, probably for them, I mean, it might even have been a, a survival thing. Either we you know, we do it this way and, and we keep the WNBA license or WNBA cards don't exist at that point right. is probably I mean, my guess. Yeah. You know, women's sports are incredibly profitable because women's sport fans have a higher fan of it. So there may be less collectors of the WNBA, but we know from studying female sport fans and their viewership habits, fanavidity is the biggest predictor of spend. Okay. Right. So the bigger a fan you are, the more you're going to spend. For instance, during the COVID pandemic, when we look at overall viewership of sport declined among major sports, except the WNBA and team, and sports like the NWSL and others didn't. We saw big increases in that. The largest return on investments for sponsors over from 2020 to, two, to, to 2021 was the NWSL, the highest return on investment. Hmm. Because it, it takes a lot more effort to find NWSL games than it does to find NBA games. Right. So we have a higher fan avidity, so we'll spend more. So what we know about consumers, two big things that I think are important. One, women's sport fans have a higher fan avidity. So there's fewer, fewer of us, but we're going to spend more. And okay. two, women control 86% of household spending. So like if I'm at the mm -hmm. national and people will say, do women collect sport cards? Do women are interested in sport? Like it's, it's, this is a sausage fest. Like it's only men. I'm like, yeah, but women are controlling almost every 80, you know, 86% of the transactions on this floor are being controlled by a woman. Or influenced in some way. And, and Mrs. WMP is not in the background listening right now, but there, there's always a, a little bit of a thought in my mind, like, okay, I'm about to pay this. 
what are the consequences of well, paying this? Right. And history has said, you know, it always should be men make the money and women decide how to spend it. Now it's men and women make the money, but women still decide where it goes. Right. So okay. women have a huge influence in that. So in 2019, we have the Donra set. So Donruss mm-hmm. comes out is a set that I think is underappreciated, right? I think it's a great set. And then in 2020, we have Panini come on the scene. Mm-hmm. And that's an important year because that's Sabrina Ionescu's first year. She came in with a lot of fandom and we have COVID raging. So we have this convergence of greater interest in the sport card market, the sport card booming, spending on sport cards booming. We have Panini Prism come out, which is a set that we're constantly being told matters the most. Right. And we have Sabrina come in, which brought a lot of card purchasers and particularly flippers. And I'm not using that in a negative way because right. the card well, industry it, needs flippers. It is what it is. Yeah, that's it is what, what they it were. is. So we have this convergence. So the social media groups and the Facebook groups that were generally pretty quiet, all of a sudden we get this influx of people saying, what Sabrina card should I own? Right. Like mm-hmm. people who had never been in because that was a hot commodity. Right. Well, and, and Kobe was telling people, you know, Kobe, hey, Sabrina's the next big thing, right? It seemed like there was a marketing push behind her. Uh, I felt okay. like the league was getting marketed with her as the face. And I probably tuned into a few more Liberty games than I normally would right. because the Sabrina hype was real. You know, she's something something new, something fun to and watch. There's, and there's always been, you know, I, I joke with some of my friends that I've been, I you know, I was at the first Liberty home game, right? I mm-hmm. have been a miserable it has been a miserable 25 years for the liberty it is painful right like i'm a Mm -hmm. bill season ticket holder and a liberty you know like it's just like this historical trod like there's always been other sabrinas like so i joke with some of my friends you know sabrina as jackie styles 2.0 jackie styles being for the most acclaimed college player that didn't live up to necessarily hype i think Mm -hmm. sabrina will live up to the hype i think she's you know she obviously came in and got injured and there's a lot of people that enjoy talking her down but um, well and they just made a big trade too right yes and as i like to say you know it'll be great seeing stewie in a liberty jersey i keep talking about it because i think i can i can wish it into existence existence, right and uh yeah i mean getting john called jones is huge it also created more cap space because of it, it, in the trades, uh, Howard's contract as, as part of that three-team trade. So in sport, you we sell winning and you sell hope. But at some point, you have to win. Like, you have to show hope. You can't <laughs> right. just talk about it, right? So Right. Let's contrast that to I'm a, a Fever fan. I'm not sure if I have uh, winning or hope right now. Well, and the Fever is all hope because you had, you know, the Fever had the best rookie income in class. Well, and, they, sh- they should. They had, what, four in the top 10? And yeah. But the fever throughout, you know, you look at, because I'm a big believer that Tamika Catchings is is the WNBA GOAT, right? Uh-huh. Like, the, the thing with the fever is they were so successful. She had, what, 11 years of playoff runs, which meant that the fever never had high draft picks. Mm-hmm. Where you have, like, Deanna Taurasi, who everyone says is the GOAT. Well, she also they also had a top, what, a top three pick right after her where mm-hmm. they got Griner. And then three years in a row, they, they, they got Skyler. So yeah. The fever's success was what made it hard for the franchise to continue to get good. Tamika had no support. She only had one other all WNBA player, her career. And that was Katie Douglas for a year, right? Now, it was just her. The Tamika goat argument. I haven't, that's not a mainstream argument, right? Like I haven't heard that before. It should be because if you look at, again, I love data analytics. Like again, I'm a professor. I love it. If you look at, you know, the one analytic point that people point to in terms of individual performance is a thing called uh, win share. 
Okay. And that's what is the impact of an individual player on their team's win, right? Okay. It's, it's one point, right? She is by far number one. And it's it's not really close, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not close. But again, part of it is, I think in, in basketball, at least, we've deduced legends and goats to scoring. But mm-hmm. scoring actually isn't sometimes the greatest metric what leads to success. Actually, the most underappreciated stat line is steals and turnovers okay in terms of a team's success tamika just didn't have support but her in and of itself if you look at her you know everything but maybe i mean her shooting percentage because she had to take so many shots like and again i think diana tarasi is probably the most prolific scorer in WNBA history mm-hmm. i don't think she's the greatest player in WNBA history I, I i think looking at at history and looking at context it's tamika catching We've got these Panini cards now, right? So you mentioned they started with Donruss. We've got Prism, and uh, they've since expanded. There's Revolution now. Which is the wrong set. I don't know why they rushed out Revolution. Well, I, I think it was probably an easy set for them to produce. It's cookie cutter. That I mean, that's just my my outsider's take on it. And I've had great conversations with Panini. I was able to do... Uh, I invited the director of social uh, media and marketing, did uh, a box break with me at the National. We opened 2020 Panini, which was fun because I had to be like, ah, oh, yes, look at the Cindy Wees card. That's the wrong picture. But whatever, we, we continue. <laughs> um, I don't know if a value set made sense. Like, I think, it, okay. you know, I think Chronicles could have made more sense because of mm-hmm. history and fun designs that we don't have. Yeah. Right, Chronicles would have made sense. But I actually think a higher level set would have made more sense. A shorter print run, flawless or immaculate mm-hmm. or a national treasures because of what we know about WNBA collectors and spend. Right. I, I, I just think revolution doesn't resonate. There's yeah. a struggle in a high end set, though, because then they've got to actually acquire the jerseys, um, assuming that they're going to go with at least player worn or game worn. It, uh, and it's incredible. I, we and I think they're had, just not interested in that now. But it's what doesn't make any sense is that we don't like we don't have relics in WNBA mm-hmm. cards. Well, I, I I forgot what it was, but it's been like almost it's been over a decade, I think, since it's we had probably the the Rittenhouse um, All Star relics. There was some WNBA championship cards as well around that same time frame. And then a all-star basketball that they cut up. But like as yeah. far as stuff players have won, 08. that's it. Right, probably the the most important relic in the 08 set is it's Candace Parker's rookie rookie jersey in that set. But we've yeah. got a decade without a relic. Think about like, and this is which is insane. Or we just had a 25th anniversary subset. Why mm-hmm. are there no multiple autos? Right. Why can't I get a Sue Bird, you know, Lauren Jackson, Cynthia Cooper multi auto? And and it everything is, is stickers now, right? Themselves. So they could have, I mean, they would just be slapping the stickers on there together. The narratives write themselves, right? And this is, it, it, it's the things, and this is why I started sort of dreaming up creating cards. Like the things that, like, I can't even complain. Like my friends who collect men's cards that will try to engage me in the like game-worn, non-game-worn card. I like, I don't have an opinion because I don't have a choice. You could give me, go to Dick's Sporting Goods, buy a green jersey and put super signature on it and i'll accept that i don't understand go to goodwill and give me a green t-shirt like i i can't even have an opinion because panini doesn't even let me engage in that debate so so let's talk panini then our favorite company and of course i say that facetiously we're in a really weird spot of manufacturing overall not just women's cards but also Mm -hmm. which is kind of ironic because we're getting more women's card 
now, but we're, we're just in a horrible spot of manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of the quality of product, Panini has been in a position to essentially print money for the last three years. And uh, we talked about it. You know, there was the WNBA Prism came out. Sabrina had her uh, first Prism card there. Mm-hmm. And during that time frame, they lost the NBA license and mm-hmm. kind of became a lame duck manufacturer. So in other words, you know, as far as the NBA side, for sure, things aren't getting fixed. And I've, I don't I don't even know the status of the WNBA license. No one ever even mentioned that. I've, I've asked about it. I, I don't know. I don't know where they're going, if they're going to hold that or, or what's going to happen. I've talked through many of the photo goofs and production goofs for the NBA stuff on this show and on my YouTube channel. I've mentioned a few of the WNBA ones along the way. I know they've had their fair share of issues. Um, players, literally the wrong race. They, they had photos of players from different races. And... Um, can you run me through some of the the major goofs that you've seen so far or the ones that come to your mind? Yeah, probably the two biggest goofs. And they're each in, like when you look at the last two sets, you have uh, Sidney Weiss's card, which had the wrong player on it. And again, that's where you talk about like different races, like very much. Like, yeah, not even uh, Getty labeled it wrong. It's just like literally like these are not the two same human beings. Yeah, the Getty all. label. My assumption would be the second mistake was a Getty mistake. And it was uh, Kia Vaughn's and uh, what was it? Uh, Ari McDonald, right? Because mm-hmm. I think that was probably a Getty mistake because the jersey was crinkled in the picture. So okay. it looked like it would be like a five, right? Mm-hmm. Um but that's a lot of the NBA goofs seem to be a result of that. But some of them are just even the NBA ones. It's like we had uh, Catino Mobley on a Dwight Howard card. You, right. Like we don't know what Dwight Howard looks like by now. Are you kidding me? Well, And I think the other stuff that people talk is that the age of photos. Right. So you've uh-huh. got like them using photos that are three years old where the player has been on two different teams since then. That right? was you- so that was really bad. I think 2020 prism. Was it Danielle Robinson had like. Links card, links pictures. It, there was a it's, couple of them. You look at Laney like, as well, like Benajah Laney up until I think 20, 20, the 2020, she was in a, a dream jersey, older shot that, you know, the player wasn't even on that team anymore. You know, that kind of laziness or like, you know, using the same photo for subsets. Um, mm-hmm. So just like kind of like a editorial laziness. A bit. Mm-hmm. Those are things that come with being part of a conglomerate and that I think for me, my struggle is just the lack of creativity and imagination. Like, okay. again, the lack of things like, again, not have any relic cards, you know, mm-hmm. no multiple autos. Right. And especially in a in in seasons where we've celebrated the 25th anniversary. Um, right. I mean, narratives and, and history is so important. And, you know, there's never been a better time to be a female athlete to be a women's sport property right now, to have conversations about women's empowerment and generational struggle. I mean, the WNBA and those players were leaders within social justice movements. Mm-hmm. It, there's just so many cool storylines that we can tell on cars and Panini's just it doesn't seem interested in telling them. Yeah, and um, it, it's hard for me to get a grasp on what's going on. Uh, number one, I mean, I, I'm not as immersed in the WNBA cards as I am the NBA stuff. I try to follow, but yeah. there's only so much bandwidth in my head. Yep, absolutely. And uh, a lot of it is right now they're they're showing a complete disregard for card in general. They're just struggling with that. So I'm wondering to see, you know, what's going to happen with this license if they they lose the NBA license and don't get bought by Fanatics and they keep the WNBA license. 
at some point they're going to have to put some real work into stuff to for people to keep buying the product. And I, I'm hoping that happens, but I'm not sure though. You you mentioned how you would buy a, and I understand why I'm not detracting from that, but how you would buy a, a Dick Sporting Goods shirt that you know someone yeah. never wore and put it in a car just because you want something different. Well, this so- is this is where like you know fan loyalty is really bad. I, I make the argument in some of my classes that fair weather fans are actually the best kind of fan because. You know, the Buffalo Bills can be terrible for 15 years because I keep coming back to games. Okay. Right. Like, like I actually think fair weather fan, like if there's no incentive to get better because you'll keep coming back, like why? That that hits, that hits too close right now. My team stink. Right. Yeah. And you're, you're, you're part of the reason they probably do. I keep buying the merch. What do you want for Christmas? Pacer stuff. Give me Pacer stuff. You're an idiot. We're all idiots. I mean, like that that's the thing, right? And and I think maybe, you know, the, the market right now is like kind of right sizing, particularly in the men's market, mm-hmm. right? Like women's market got crazy too. Mm-hmm. And, but it's all like scale. Yeah. Because like crazy, I mean, you can buy a Maya Moore, you know, or you can buy a, a Sue Bird rookie card and a PSA 10 for maybe eleven hundred dollars. Yeah. Right. Or like fifteen hundred. I don't know. I haven't looked at PSA tens in a lo- really long time because I'm not really a grading person, but you know, so just it's scale cards that were, you know, Candace Parker rookie card was like $80 and two and a half years later it was 600. Right. But Mm -hmm. because of scarcity, for instance, the legends cards aren't dropping at the same rate as maybe some of the more contemporary cards, like, a you know, some Sabrina rookie cards, which has come back more to normal or at least like, right, you know, right sizing a little bit. So I don't know. I think WNBA cards, are always going to be something that people are going to want because the fan base is huge. The fan base is growing, mm-hmm. right? And I think particularly, you know, I talk to a lot of um, dads who mm-hmm. love with women's soccer, for instance, to soccer cards and, you know, Parkside has the license uh, for NWSL that collecting is a family thing and they really like to involve their daughters in collecting. So I right. think they always, and, and that's a feel good storyline for Panini to talk about that. And they're probably not right now is what I'm guessing. They don't tend to lean into that stuff until they need to. Okay, guys, allow me to interrupt for a moment here to remind you that this show is brought to you in part by Check Out My Cards. ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all types of trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 28 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC Marketplace. For more info, you can check them out on social media under the handle at CheckoutMyCards. Now, we've talked about the errors, and I know with the NBA stuff, for the most part, I've kind of just corrected them in my head. Like I mentioned Catino Mobley and Dwight Howard. I've talked about that card. I've I've shared it with friends. We've laughed about it. I've visioned in my head what it should look like, and I've left it at that. Mm -hmm. You have gone on Photoshop and corrected. I've seen, uh, I think it was a thread where you said, hey, I fixed it for you, Panini. And you uh, had updated versions of those cards. And that's kind of become a fixture for you on social media where it's evolved now to where not only are you fixing cards that exist, now you're creating some of the best women's cards that never were. Yeah. Uh, For instance, the one that first got me to your account was a, a Cynthia Cooper I think it was a Reebok pump sneaker mm-hmm. card. I thought it was a real card at first. I'm like, this is fascinating. Uh, this is an amazing card. I would love to oh, own it this. Oh, it is a real card. I think it's a Dominique Wilkins card. So that, okay. I was like, man, this, 
this, I, I want to own this and I never yes. will, but I, I want to own this. So tell me a little bit more about your purpose for making these mock-ups. So I think what was interesting and we always get my frustration with the cards that we don't have, the, you know, the downtown cards that we don't have, the Kaboom cards that we don't have is why don't we have those? Mm -hmm. And I would talk about it and talk about it and talk about it. And I, you know, I teach sport marketing and part of what I teach is Photoshop and I am not a graphic designer, but if you work in sport marketing, you need to understand Photoshop because you need to do decks and you need to be able to mock up things for potential sponsors. So I've worked in Photoshop a bunch and it was just one day where I was like, God, what would a kaboom look like if it was done for Trinity Rodman? And I just started playing with it and I posted it and people were like, oh my God, I want that card, right? And people would message me and I'm like, well, why don't we have these sorts of cards? Mm -hmm. And it just became a creative outlet for me. Like I love photography. I take pictures of my dogs and I coach men's rugby. So I take pictures of them and I wasn't taking a ton of pictures. And it just started being a really great procrastinator actually for me saying, what would a Sabrina downtown card look like? But instead of like creating the cards myself, what if Panini just used the cards they already make and just stuck a female on it? Like how yeah. hard is that? So for me with limited information, but just a lot of passion, I purposely, instead of designing my own cards, I started taking popular inserts in men's sets and designing them with women's athletes and women in mind. And what I started doing, is I started going to women, um, and this was over like December, I started asking women in the collecting space what athlete they would love to see on a traditional male card, just to get more people involved. Mm -hmm. And it was just really fun. It was just fun to dream up these ideas. But as social commentary to say, because people will post and be like, I want this card. And I'm like, tell Panini. Right. right? Like, or why don't I have this card? And I'm like, I don't know. That's why I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and again, I'm a sport marketer. I'm not interested necessarily in violating any copyrights or, but as social commentary to say, why don't these exist? Because we can talk about it, but you know, there's something about a visual. There's something mm -hmm. about seeing it and saying, I want this. And so for me, it became a project that started in my mind asking why, and just kind of grew into this. There's tons of like art cards, but like, it's very deliberate. The cards mm -hmm. I'm mocking up. Well, in the approach that you took where you said, why don't we take the cards that exist and just put females on them? That's um, not too far off from what Panini has done when they've held licenses from multiple sports. Right. Hey, let's take Color Blast and just put, you know, Daniel Jones on it. Let's just, you know, yeah, let's, exactly. let's do this stuff uh, for all of the sports. And that's what Fleer did when they had multiple licenses. That's what Fleer did with Fleer Ultra. We had the shoe cards brand. for Fleer Ultra. We had platinum medallions for Fleer Ultra right. for WNBA players. It's not too far-fetched to think like, hey, this could happen. And, and you mentioned Chronicles earlier. That would be a great spot to do it. I don't know if they're afraid that that's going to, and I want to be careful how I phrase this, cheapen the inserts, not, not because of the subject matter, but because of the availability, right? Because if you yeah. create a, a Chronicles full of these case hits and it's just chocked full where every card was a case hit from another sport, I don't know if, if they're concerned that that's going to impact the the perception of those cards in other sports, or if we're just thinking too far into it, maybe they're just, they just don't want to do it. I don't know. That's a, it's a good thing to think about though. But also I think one thing it's important is who's making the decisions. Like I know mm -hmm. I've had conversations um, with some of my friends, you know, that, that work at Panini and they'll say there are less than three designers of sport cards at Panini that are female, hmm. that the vast majority of card designers 
that are working at these manufacturers are male, right? So, and I'm not saying men can't take an interest in women's sport cards, right? But it's right. like in newspapers, right? Like the decline of the newsroom was the best thing that ever happened to women's sports because editors didn't care about women's sports. And it was, you know, newspaper were white, you know, males basically that, mm -hmm. that decided what got into newspapers. And if they didn't care about it, they didn't put it in, right? right? No one's and advocating think, for it. Right. So what's been great for, for women's soccer has been Parkside. You have a, a license where you gave NWSL to, uh, you know, a new company that took it and owned it so that we have now multi-products in, in NWSL, right? Like, I'm not saying Panini can't do a good job. I'm just saying, where does it fall in their priority list? Okay, so um, the custom card thing is something that I've tried to get into a little bit here lately. And for a little bit different reason, it's because I, I wanted something to get signed at games, right? So like okay. Andrew Nimhart is never going to get a Timeless Moments card. Mm -hmm. He's just a rookie on the Pacers, but he, you know, he made a game winner over LeBron. So I'm I'm trying to get that card signed. I'll be seeing the Pacers soon. Hopefully that all works out. So the design portion has been a little bit of a struggle for me, though. I feel like I'm doing all right with the construction. Uh, we've chatted a little bit about construction. I think you've okay. got the design down. The construction, I was worried for you. I thought you were going to lose one of your fingers at one point. I'm really bad. So I'm like one of those people that like can't craft. Like my partner's a big crafter. If I'm going to do a craft, I need to like do it in like the parking lot of an urgent care, right? Like I'm just like not built that way. I love the design stuff. And for me, I'm not interested in selling cards. I just want, right. you know, either my friends have said, I wish you could have this card and I designed it for them and they really like want it or you know, my friend Katie, who actually designed sneakers for athletes, I did a series of shoes that she designed for Sue Bird for like Sue Bird's retirement game that modeled after um, Noir card. So like I went and like tried to print them and I, you know, there are great people online who I've reached out to, to be like, uh, how do you do that? Right. Like, I'm not trying mm -hmm. to like take your craft because I'm, I just, how do you make it? Yeah. So cool? a, a lot of them I found are very like, I'm not, you have to find out. I'm not going to tell you. It took me years to figure this out. Oh, and it's like, so like dude, just tell me how you printed the cards. The first few people I reached out to were great. And I don't know, like one of the fa my favorite designers, I mean, she's just great doing cards. So I don't know if it helps that I'm like a female and I'm in a male space and women just get sometimes uh, networking and mentoring differently, but like literally being like, I don't. And you did a video, I think online, which mm -hmm. was really, really helpful on YouTube, but I'm just like really bad. Like, and the, you know, I was trying to use a cutter thing and you know, the person I was talking to was like, Oh, I just use scissors. And I'm like, you and I are no not way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't under like, it's like students in my classes who have an iPhone, but don't have a case on their phone. I'm like, do you live in a pillow factory? Like, how do you, how do we live in the same culture? So I, it's, a work in progress you know people have asked who's your printer and i'm like cvs i don't know i think i'll play around with it a bit because i just want some for like my collection and for a couple of my friends who inspired the card i've no really I, i'm not gonna necessarily mass produce these um because that's not the point right? right like the point is just getting conversations going and it's just like fun to design but yeah i'm really bad at crafting i haven't ended up in urgent care yet but it's a distinct possibility i mean people should also suffer for their art i think so like I, it's bit. part of my suffering I, the people that you mentioned the scissors, I can't, I can't do that. It won't look good. I've seen people make like really detailed cuts with exacto knives. I can't do that. They keep I telling me, well, you, you just need a sharper knife. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably not a good idea for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'll end up with a beautiful card and nine fingers and then and right. that, I'm still work in progress. You mentioned Parkside earlier and, and no slight to Parkside, but 
sometimes your quality it can probably get to that point with a little bit of practice. I, I've received some Parkside cards that were a little rough cut. Well, and part of it, I think, with people is that we, I don't want to say this, like, I really like Parkside, right? right? We are part of their story emerging as a card designer, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm not paying 500 a box for Parkside. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I maybe have different expectations, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I'm also, because I'm I, like, I've braided like three cards in my life. That's not as big of my priority. I'm with but- you there. So speaking of cards that you like here, as we begin to wind things down, I want to close with one of my favorite activities, a simple one for me, at least, because I'm the one asking the questions. But I ask you before we chatted to pick your three favorite cards in your collection. And um, I, I know that's a tough task. I did a huge list of 50. Uh, three is is even harder because you can't leave the other 47 cards in, on that list, right? right? So um, I want to hear more about your top three, why you like them, how you acquired them, those sorts of things. And let's start with number three and work your okay. way down to one. Now you limited, we limited it to at least basketball. So if, that at least if you're lim- able to, yes. Right, right. And I will, you know, and basketball is probably of my thousands of women's cards is, is the biggest share would be basketball. All right. So this is tough. So top three. So number three I'm going to go with the 2002 Sue Bird jersey card. And this is her first rookie jersey card, right? Mm -hmm. It's out of, um, this would be out of Fleer uh, Ultra. I think I'm getting that right. Here is why I put it as one of my favorites. Because the jersey is from her first WNBA game. Right? So we have an argument about like, you know, game-worn versus Mm non-game-worn. But then there's this other part of like, her first WNBA, I have a lot of super, but she's not like my favorite athlete, but I love that card so much because of what that jersey means, right? So like one of my favorite cards overall is I have a quad jersey patch out of Sport Kings. That's Lisa Leslie, uh, Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Bonnie Blair, and Brandy Chastain. And what's amazing about this like quad patch is Chastain's patch is from the 1999 World Cup. Blair is a bib from the Olympics. Jackie Joyner-Kersey is a match-worn U.S. US championships. And Leslie is a U.S. Olympic jersey. Like, the patches yeah. mean something, right? Like, yeah. and four goats, right? So I would say 2002 Subers rookie jersey card is the coolest WNBA patch card that probably exists because it's from her first NBA jersey. Did they put that on there or did you figure that out? No, it's on there on the card. You flip the card back and it says from first WNBA game. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. I know I had one. I think mine was later on. Uh, it was Scoring King. So I think it was 04, the one that I had. Right. But uh, I foolishly, I bought it for $2. Someone offered me 20 I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's a good return and on investment there. It is. But at the same time, it's like, I kind of want that back. But someday, someday right. I'll get another one. What do you have for number two? So number two is a player that I, we, I talked about earlier, Tamika Catchings, who is my GOAT. The reason that I picked this card, this is her 1995 high school card. It was made by a company called Rooks, R-O-O-X. And Hmm. she was in the, um, she played for uh, Lincolnshire Stevenson High School. And this was the uh, championship that they did for the Iowa High School Sports Association, the 1995 AA championship. They actually made car a set of cards, 
And um, Tamika's card was in there. There's also a card of her sister, but it is such a cool card. You know, I love having her high school card and her rookie card right next to each other. But mm -hmm. I'm going to say one of the cooler cards is the Tamika Catchings High School Rooks card. There can't be a lot of those out there, right? I have no clue. I mean, I have no clue about, about print. I, I, I not have only have I not seen that card, I've, I've never heard of the set, never heard of oh, the yeah. manufacturer. There, like I know nothing there, of that card. There is the reason anyone's ever heard of that set is because there were some important uh, NBA players that also had a high school. I'm trying to remember exactly who it was that actually had a. Um, Around that time, what, maybe Garnett. Was he yeah, it? it may have been Garnett that had a, a card in that set, which is just so interesting and strange. But I have two of the cards. Really cool. Oh, wow. So number one. Oh, man. This is a card that I chased forever. And the story of how I got this card is funny because it was... It's, so this is a Italian League SAF set that was made by a company called Joker. And it's the okay. 1994 Cynthia Cooper Italian League card. Hmm. It And... Again, WNBA players play a lot of ball in, in Europe and in, you know, internationally because they just make so much more money there. And this has yeah. been the case forever. And Joker made a subset for their Italian league card only in Italy. Lord knows how small this print run is. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking for this card forever. And last year, I finally found it from an Italian card dealer, and it was, wouldn't ship it internationally. So I needed the help of one of my card collecting friends because he would send it to France to be able to get this card. It is, I think I paid like $16 for it. I mean, like, <laughs> like, but I looked for it forever. And for me, it's important because if you ask, like, well, you know, what is, you know, Cynthia Cooper, you know, everyone says 1997, she had cards before, but like, the Italian League 94 card is just such a rarity. And for me, I think it's important because, you know, we tend to think that women started playing sports in, at Title IX. And that's not the mm -hmm. truth, obviously. It's just when men found out that they could be commercially popular, right? Or that right. they had to let women play sports because in, in college sports, then, you know, that's how they could rationalize keeping their men's rosters and what they were. But I love the sort of stories that 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 tell away from the mainstream. So I think the first two cards in my set, the Tamika Catchings High School and and the Joker 94 Cynthia Cooper card is probably part of that that, that interesting history. I know a lot of the Italian releases I've seen are are stickers. Is this a, a sticker or is it it's nope, an it actual is a card? card. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, a lot of, you know, I, I think like the 2011 Women's World Cup set, like I think of Alex Morgan's rook that, you know, Sam Kerr's rookie or I think in soccer stickers have a lot of uh, like authenticity. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, cause they yeah. matter. No, this is a card. This is a, this is a, uh, this is a card. So wow. I, I have not ever seen another one. I may never again. Yeah. And, and the links, you know, having to network with someone, several people overseas to get that and, and, and to get it for so cheap, you, you know, right. you probably would have paid 10 or 20 times that amount uh, just to land that card in your PC. So that always makes it better. Right. And I never, you never know, like, that's, that's the thing is like what someone will pay for some of these cards. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what a Cynthia Cooper collector would pay for a 1994 Joker card or WNBA collector. I, you know, when I posted on Instagram, I got a lot of messages because people don't even know it existed. Right. right. So your networks are important. You know, the best, my bet, my, like my best days are when I help somebody else finish their PC. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great helping your card friends 
help their PC. And your networks are the most important resource that you have for your own collection. Right. Well, that is uh, pretty incredible. And I know, you know, we're on audio right now, so you're going to post these on, or you already have posted them, I'm assuming, but maybe we could post those again on your social yeah, media. Yeah, I'll post this them week. again so you can see them. And uh, that way people can head to my Instagram and message Geek me. out over them. Yeah. And, and be yeah, jealous. Cool. And Marie, I have learned a lot today. There's a lot more questions that I have. We could, we could keep going. We do have to cut it off at some point. I figure we've only scratched the surface though. So we'll have to do this again someday. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, before I let you go, though, I want to give you a chance to plug your social media that we talked about, anything you might be looking for. Maybe there's another obscure card that is on your radar, but you can't find it or anything maybe that you're working on at this time. These next few moments are yours. I'm kind of amazed that, you know, when I started my Instagram, I was kind of amazed that anyone was actually interested in some of it because I kind of just put things that interested me. But uh, Women on Tops, T-O-P-P-S is my Instagram. If anyone has a 1999 Katie Smith Platinum Fleer Ultra card, come and take all my money. Um, are are I, those out of 66 that year? Uh, that one I think is out of 25. Oh, geez. Okay, that's right. Uh, yeah. Come take all my money. Um, but yeah, my Instagram is where I waste a lot of time talking about cards. Come chat about cardboard. All right. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much. All right. Well, there you have it. I want to thank Anne Marie again for taking the time to come on the show. I think she brings a really unique perspective to the hobby. And I loved hearing more about her thoughts on sports marketing and just some of the analytics in the process. Maybe there was something we talked about today that resonated with you. Feel free to reach out to me on social media. You can find me on Instagram under at Wax Museum Podcast or Twitter under the handle at Wax Museum PC. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to support the show by doing all of your eBay purchasing through the link on my site, which is www.waxmuseumpodcast.com. There's a big eBay logo at the top. Click that and it should give me a small percentage of whatever you purchase in the 24 hours that follow. Once again, that's www waxmuseumpodcast.com. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcast. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.